Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Amelia Thompson is joining us once again. A quick reminder, she's the registered nutritionist, lecturer in sport nutrition, full-time online coach, and director of EIQ Nutrition, who joined us last episode to talk about emotional eating. So today she's back to talk to us about the ways you can improve your relationship with food and your body. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with your mental health and mindset and attitude and how you speak to yourself. So hoping we get to cover some of these things today. Amelia, it's good to have you back. Thank you for having me back. I understand that you competed in bikini competitions uh, once upon a time. So can you talk to us about your experience competing and how your relationship with food and your body was during that period of your life? Sure thing. So I compete. I finished competing in 2017, so quite a while ago now, and I competed for about four years-ish. And I finished second in Britain, and at that point I decided enough was enough and pulled out of it. I fell into competing because I had disordered eating habits and I loved the gym. And competing provided an external rigid structure for me that was quote-unquote healthy, even though... It's actually, on reflection, not particularly healthy at all, but it was a way for me to mask my disordered eating symptoms under something that was branded as fitness. And I did four years of that, and through the whole time of kind of gaining muscle, dieting for shows repeatedly, I found that what most people find when they extreme diet, my body image took a big hit, and my relationship with food took a big hit. I would find that after I dieted, I would fall into quite quite a bit of a binge restrict cycle and have to move my way through that which we see a lot of with extreme dieting and at the same time it would take me six months to get my body image to a place where I felt comfortable in myself even though I'd been the leanest and had won trophies for the way that my body looked my body image was probably in the gutter at that point just after say I would compete I did that for four years and every time I competed it got a bit better because I delved into the research around mindfulness and self-compassion and how that related to extreme dieting but at the time nobody spoke about it so I was just kind of working through it on my own and, and at work and going through the research and then I pulled out of competing in the end because it takes over your life and it it really dampened your relationship with food for a lot of the years and so I stopped competing and moved through all of that and my relationship with food now is fantastic but the extreme dieting effects of that lasted for at least a year after competing it, it took me to of intentional work to get out of that and and what does that mean so like what like you say you now have a good relationship with food and you had a bad relationship with food like what does that broadly mean to you it's such a good point. A good relationship with food is really a relationship with food that doesn't preoccupy your mind, that doesn't impact your socialising, that allows you to live a healthful life without any intense preoccupation. That's really what a good relationship with food looks like. So if you flip that over, a bad relationship with food will impact your socialising. Maybe that means that you won't go out for dinner because you're scared that you can't eat something on the menu or you feel anxious about an unplanned meal out or you feel really obsessed with hitting numbers on your tracking app. Those are signs of disordered eating. And if we look at the clinical definition, even dieting is classed as disordered eating. And so 
it's quite a, a muddy water, but you know yourself, if you feel preoccupied with food in some way, that's generally a sign that your relationship with food needs some work. So, I mean, are there like signs or symptoms of a bad relationship with food? If you're listening, what would you be watching out for? So some of the things that I said earlier, if it's if it stops you from doing something, that's a, a key red flag. If you are regularly overeating or if you are chronically restricting. So if you're chronically trying to to diet all of the time or stay small all of the time or you chronically find yourself overeating or you have maybe weeks where you have a really quote unquote good week and then you get to the weekend and then you screw it all up and then you start again on Monday. We see a lot of this really repetitive cycles and that if you feel guilt or shame around that, that's a big red flag and that's a really, really common one that people normalise and they say, oh, get back on it on Monday and then they start with Friday and then it goes this repetitive cycle. That's not the way a good relationship with food is supposed to be. expert on so many levels as in an academic expert an expert in real life with patients and an expert from living with your own experience of it so what are some of the most obvious tips tools and techniques that people can actually put into action to have a better relationship with their food great question if you're somebody who is overeating i would say stop trying to restrict often people who are trying to stop overeating they say i just can't stop the overeating part the way to stop that is to stop the restriction part that's generally what we're looking at when somebody's overeating there are two kind of facets to this hungry and restrictive either restricting calories or restricting food types so you have good foods and bad foods we want to practice food neutrality where all food is just food and you include it all within your daily intakes so not restricting your calories and not restricting your um, food choice and being consistent with that and eating regularly and removing dieting at the same time starting to identify when you overeat and what your triggers are for that so you want to kind of come at it from both sides then if you're somebody who's chronically dieting I think a really good thing often when you're preoccupied with food it's because you're chronically restricting that's generally the the key factor why somebody is preoccupied with food is because they're restricting in some way. So look at why you are dieting. And this is kind of a really deep hole to fall into. But it's such a common narrative these days that you should diet. You should want to be leaner for a holiday. You should want to be leaner if, you're, if you've gained a bit of weight. And you have to start questioning why that is. If you're chronically trying to stay small, what are your reasons for that? And what happens a lot is that because of patriarchy, because of our society, all of our feelings about ourselves, we take out on our bodies and we take out on our body image and our food. So if we've been dumped by somebody and we our self-worth is struggling, we take it out on our bodies. If we feel lonely, we take it out on our bodies. Instead of thinking about what actually are these feelings we say let's take out on our bodies and, and change our bodies so we have to start being really accountable to that because those are the reasons generally that we have poor relationships with food it's not the food it's what purpose that serves what is that behavior giving you that is not it's not to do with the food it's giving you something else maybe it's stopping you from feeling something maybe it's providing you you think you're getting connection by I don't know, dieting and being part of a club. There's lots of reasons why that may be. So it's really about getting curious to figure out what it is for you that food, overeating, restricting, overexercising is doing for you and then starting to work on that side of things. As someone who grew up fat 
and had a lot of these body image issues myself. Um, I went through a period of 100% absolutely believing that I was fat. I mean, for clarity, I was fat initially. Um, <laughs> but then after I'd lost the weight, you know, if I look at photos now, I'd got so skinny and I really thought I was still fat. And it was impossible. But even seeing photos of myself, I still thought I looked fat and every day and all that stuff. And, you know, no one telling me the opposite could possibly have changed that. So I guess my question is, how can people, what are your top tips for helping people with body image issues, whatever they may be, actually recognize it? Yeah, we've got body dysmorphic disorder where you see something different to what is actually there. But when we look at specifically body image, body image is not about the way that you look. It's about, okay, there's four strands to it. So it's the beliefs that we have about our bodies. So the cognitive thoughts, how we think about our body, how we feel about our body and also how what we do in order to change our body or in response to how we look. That's what body image is. And what we see with body image often is that it deviates according to how we feel in general. If you're having a really good day, your body image is generally quite high. And if you're having a really bad day, your body image might be quite low. And so if you're somebody who's chronically in a state of a low mood or maybe you're managing depression or anxiety, you might find that you chronically have low body image and you're chronically trying to change your body. The problem with that is that chronic dieting and over-restricting is associated with poor body image. So if you are somebody who is dealing with low mood and you take it out on your body and you say, this is going to make me feel better by dieting and I'm going to feel better about my body, it actually does the opposite. I find that so frustrating really for me when people think that they, I'll be happy when I change my body. That's not what happens. You need to change how you feel. And that's a completely separate note from your body and your food. It's something completely different. So what we should really be striving for and what the healthiest place to strive for is what we call body neutrality it's not saying i love myself i love the way that i look look at my ass that's not what we're looking for here we're looking for i appreciate my body i respect my body and i'm going to act in a line with that so i'm going to rest it well i'm going to nourish it well i'm going to self-care whatever that looks like for you body neutrality is taking the appreciation away from what we look like and putting it onto what our body allows us to do and identifying our body as basically a vessel for us to live our best lives as opposed to something that we have to take our feelings out on and change in order to feel a certain way about ourselves our awareness and our souls so to speak if we're going to go down that road are completely distinct from our bodies and we have to separate the two and treat our bodies like the gift that they are that allows us to to live our lives and that's what we that's what we're looking for when we're looking for body neutrality on the flip side some people do need to put on weight and some people need to lose weight full stop so how do you identify the difference there? How do you especially do it when so much of your work is around helping people have a very good relationship? But, you know, there are caveats such as health and what an objective marker of health is. So how do you get around that from like a communication issue? And I guess more importantly, the steps of once someone understands that that's a requirement, you know, is there a healthy or safe way to lose weight or put on weight that you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm certainly not against dieting, especially for those who will benefit from it for their health. I am pro 
choice in that sense. The best way to do it is to take a very inclusive approach, a very flexible approach, and make sure that it is not the be-all and end-all of your life and it's taking over all of your life. So something I do with clients is, you know, we'll set a pie chart out at the beginning and say, how much time do you spend thinking about food in your body and diet? Let's try and reduce that. We can diet at the same time, but I want to see you making an effort in your social life and in other facets of health, meditation, mindfulness, whatever that may be, going on dates, they are all markers of what we would call flourishing health. So looking at our connectedness to others, you need to make sure that you are thinking of health as a much more holistic thing. Fat loss is absolutely fine if you're doing it in a way that isn't impacting the rest of your life. And it's completely doable to do that. It shouldn't be this big preoccupation. So the best way to do that is at Expel. It's not to exclude any food groups is to practice food neutrality and let yourself deviate and say and practice compassion say oh I, I ate more than I planned yesterday that's absolutely fine my diet's not ruined it was one day and then continuing on and that's where we have to work rather than saying I've completely screwed up my diet I'm going to just go off the scale for the next two days and then start again amazing okay um Amelia Final question, as this is the Brain Care podcast, I want to know how brain care shows up in your life. What are the ways that you take care of your brain on a daily basis? I read a lot. I learn and try and learn a lot. I use my brain all the time, but I meditate regularly, twice a day. I take I spend a lot of time in nature and I spend a lot of time on, by myself and I turn all of my communications off and have a lot of time in complete silence and just switch off. I find that quite powerful and really hard to do but I do try and do that regularly it's amazing and where can people find you on social media my instagram is emilia thompson phd so that's the best place to find me awesome thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to this episode of the brain care podcast don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on instagram and twitter for daily doses of brain care if you want to know more about how healthy your brain is you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to a hundred see you next time